Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to thank President Trump. I want to thank all of those involved in Operation Warp Speed, all those in the private sector. I want to thank all the people who worked on Team Trump day in and day out, 24-7, to get us the vaccines we needed in record time. My wife and I were vaccinated the other day, and um, but for Donald Trump, but for what his administration did, a hundred million of us wouldn't have received vaccinations, and the rest will receive vaccinations by the end of May, early June. No, we didn't jump in the front of the line. We waited in line, as I always do, and as I always will. It's weird, you know, you have a heart attack, you have heart disease, you have asthma, say, okay, you're next. But all that said, Joe Biden had nothing to do with it, and I will explain this further, because today he's trying to take credit for something he didn't do. You want to know why? Because he can't take credit for anything he's actually done right now. He's destroying the economy, he's destroying our, our financial status with the debt, he's destroyed our immigration system and the border. He's undermining our school systems by backing the teachers' unions against the students and the parents, by destroying girls' high school sports. What is it exactly that Joe Biden has done that has helped the country? Oh, he has spent $2 trillion. That hasn't helped the country. Not in the least. The country's coming back from a pandemic. We don't need neo-Marxist economic policies to blunt our growth. And I'll get into that later as well. But first, I want you to listen to some back and forth 
between Dr. Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yes, Rand Paul, doctor. And he just took Fauci to lunch. Because Fauci's not used to being questioned about science. He's used to having sycophantic, slobbering, left-wing media hacks throw him softballs, in which he attacks people he disagrees with, and he makes these broad, outrageous comments for which he's neither knowledgeable or trained. But let's take a little listen into this, at this hearing today. Cut 12, go. Welcome today, 367 of 15 days to slow the spread. Proponents of the economic lockdowns promised it would be just 15 days to flatten the curve. Instead of 15 days, the lockdown has now gone on for over a year. Early on in the pandemic, as we all remember, there were projections that hospitals would be full and have to turn away people. Medical equipment was in short supply. Businesses were closing. What they hoped would be on a temporary basis as government started locking down their economies and telling people to stay home. At that time, when programs like PPP were created, no one was under the belief that we would still be doing this a year later with no end in sight. All right. I want you to listen to the back and forth between Senator Paul and the Fouch. Hat tip the blaze. Cut 13. Go. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine? It doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two-week period after the second vaccination. Yeah, you have a death in the United States. Let's stop here. What he's pointing out is because Fauci's saying, you know, you might need, you, you should wear a mask even after you're vaccinated. And maybe two masks. Well, Rand Paul's saying, what the hell are you talking about? There's no science that backs that up. The whole purpose of a vaccine means you cannot get and you cannot give this virus. That's what we know from getting the vaccine. So why are we wearing masks? Other than you people trying to control us. You won't give it up. Where's the science that backs this up? There is no science that backs this up. None. I mean, why would people get vaccinated if they still have to walk around with burkas? May I say with all due respect, go ahead. Hearing what I'm saying about variants, we're talking about wild type versus variants. And what now, proof re- is there, what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants? None in our country. Zero. Well, because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet. We're having one. Can I finish? We're having one one seven that's becoming more dominant. Policy based on conjecture. No, you it, have the. It isn't based on conjecture. So you some you want people to wear a mask for another couple of years. No, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask who've been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science no. to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they can quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. No. You want people to get the vaccine? <laughs> Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. 
Masks are protective. And we have immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I I totally disagree with you. Well, what's the disagree with? And why does the idiot chairwoman keep interrupting? We know why. She's trying to save Fauci. Because finally Fauci's up against somebody who knows something, and he's confronting him. You've just been immunized with a vaccine, which is over 90% effective. That's why we did this. That's why we want people to be vaccinated. We're encouraging people who don't want to be vaccinated to be vaccinated. And you're acting like they're not vaccinated. You still want them to wear one, maybe two masks indefinitely. Because there's some variant that might be out there. Well, there's no variant right now. Nobody's aware of a variant. Not in the United States. We don't have a problem with a variant. If that happens, you deal with it. So with 100 million vaccinated, we also have people from herd immunity who's, who've gotten this virus. We're going to be perfectly fine with or without a vaccination. We see what's happening in this country. And they won't take the foot off the country's throat. And what Rand Paul is saying brilliantly is, what kind of science is this? You're not following any science. You're power hungry. Biden's power hungry. Your government's power hungry. These governors are power hungry. And they won't give us our freedom back. Now, I mentioned yesterday my wife. She's on an airplane. I believe it's United. She's been vaccinated. Still, she wears a mask on the airplane because she has to. That's what they say. So she's drinking some water and she's eating some peanuts that they gave her. And the flight attendant comes up to her and says, you got to wear a mask. And she opens her hand. She says, I'm eating peanuts. Well, you put the mask on in between your chewing. What? Is that what the CDC is saying? Is that what the FDA is saying? Because if they are, they're full of crackpots. And they need to be cleaned out with real scientists. This is what's going on. This is what's taking place. You have airlines throwing people off the planes because they have an autistic kid who won't keep the mask on his face. And they have a letter from a doctor. Not good enough. Off the plane. You have kids who are... Two and a half years old who won't keep their mask on. Not good enough off the plane, even though they, we know they're not carriers for the virus. They're not going to give it to anybody. That's the science. The same reason we have schools closed. It's now Joe Biden standing where Orville Faber stood, standing where George Wallace stood in the schoolhouse doors to prevent little kids from going to school. It's now Biden and his old buddies. There is no science whatsoever that supports what Fauci says once you've been vaccinated or once you have had this virus. None. We're a free people. Open up the economy. Open up our country. Get the hell out of our way and off our backs. Get off our necks. The people of this country are more sensible than the phony experts and elites in Washington, D.C. It's like using the National Guard and fences with razor wire. They want us to think that the very next attack on the Capitol is right over the hill. So we got to protect the Capitol. 
That's not what they're doing. They're preventing us from lobbying our members of Congress as they push through their neo-Marxist agenda without any pressure, without any hearings that we can attend. It's a very good piece in the Federalist, and there's always good pieces in the Federalist, by the way, written by two of the great professors, professor of medicine at Harvard University, Martin Koldorf, Ph.D., and Jay Bhattacharya, M.D., Ph.D., professor of medicine at Stanford. If I mispronounced anybody's name, I apologize. When we come back after the break, I want you to listen to this. Because in the last year, what Fauci and his ilk have done with the help of an ignorant, ideologically driven media and an ignorant, ideologically driven Joe Biden and Democrat Party, in addition to destroying the media, they've destroyed science. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. One of the lockdown's greatest casualties could be science, writes two top experts at the Federalist. The COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns have not only been devastating for society, they've had a chilling effect on the scientific community. For science to thrive, opposing ideas must be openly and vigorously discussed, supported, or counter-based on scientific merit. Instead, some politicians, journalists, and a lot of scientists have engaged in vicious slander of dissident scientists spreading damaging conspiracy theories, even with open calls for censorship in place of debate. And we've seen this on Facebook and Twitter and Google and other reprobate uh, operations. In many cases, eminent scientific voices have been effectively silenced, often with gutter tactics. People opposed lockdowns have been accused of having blood on their hands. The university positions threatened, with many of our colleagues choosing to stay quiet rather than face the mob. We tell the story here of five prominent scientists who have faced the modern-day Inquisition. Now, I'm not going to probably get through all of this, but I just want to give you a feel for what they're saying here. Dr. Scott Atlas served as a special advisor to the president on COVID policy between July and November 2020. This would be a difficult job in normal circumstances when the science is more mature. And with his background in public health policy, Atlas's advice emphasized balancing risk imposed by viral spread 
against collateral public health harms from the lockdowns in a rapidly changing scientific and policy environment. Scientists who did not share his views had every opportunity to do so responsibly by reporting scientific facts and conjectures and engaging with his ideas. Instead, the Journal of the American Medical Association, the flagship medical journal in the United States, published an opinion article defaming him without engaging his actual scientific views. The editors of the journal then refused to publish letters supporting Atlas. Contrary to his critics, Atlas got the science right. The highest COVID-19 mortality risk is among nursing home residents. Atlas worked to ensure federal support for frequent and rapid testing of nursing home staff, residents, and visitors. While not implemented everywhere, this initiative alone saved innumerable lives. Atlas worked hard to make masks available in nursing homes. Atlas was right to contradict former CDC Director Robert Redfield's false assertion that masks are more effective than vaccines. Atlas advocated for in-person schooling during the pandemic, a position that even pro-lockdown epidemiologists now endorse. What about Dr. John Inides? And I had this brilliant gentleman on Life, Liberty, and Levin some time back. Dr. John Ioannidis is a world-famous scientist who, from the beginning of the epidemic, called for better scientific information to decide COVID policy. His work, published in the Bulletin of the World Health Organization, has helped establish how deadly the virus actually is, an order of magnitude lower than the conventional narrative implies. For his work, BuzzFeed News falsely accused him of political bias and financial conflicts of interest. In two articles published in Scientific American, two esteemed medical journalists uh, presented evidence against the false charges Inides faced, while lamenting the slander of scientists as a substitute for scientific debate. Shockingly, these journalists were then attacked. The publisher caved and published extensive trivial so-called corrections, uh, none of which contradicted the reporting. One objection cited the journalist for a conflict of interest because they cited an article by a different scientist without declaring that they had previously collaborated with him. Dr. Sanutra Gupta. Boy, is every doctor named Gupta, by the way, Mr. Medusa? Oxford University Professor Sanutra Gupta, who is one of the world's preeminent infectious disease epidemiologists, has been the subject of vicious attacks by politicians and media pundits, with a fraction of her knowledge and wisdom. Gupta has argued throughout the epidemic for protecting the vulnerable while allowing the disease to be managed in the rest of society with limited restrictions and minimal harm. I'm going to continue with some of this after the break. But here you have the top doctors in the world smeared and trashed by the likes of cable phonies and frauds. By bureaucrats in our own government and in foreign governments. And they happen to be right. And the smear merchants happen to be wrong. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, 
and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, America's think tank. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. Well, I won't go through the rest of this excellent piece, but you can see how they've tried to destroy the reputations of doctors who wouldn't conform to the politicization of our science, who would not agree to the totalitarian tactics of Fauci and Cuomo and their sycophants, their chorus line. And there are many, many doctors out there who agree that what was done with the heavy hand, the iron fist, was an outrage. Like what happened to doctors that stood behind hydroxychloroquine as a harmless drug, but an effective drug in helping to deal with the virus. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I think I told you, I've been taking hydroxychloroquine since July or August. Every week. I have noticed, Mr. Producer, I have a little bit more hair on the top of my head, so I think there is a benefit there. No side effects whatsoever. And yet, if you watch TV and you listen to these TV scientists and these TV doctors, these know-nothings, it harms people who have heart disease. I have heart disease. It harms people who have uh, asthma. I have asthma. It hasn't harmed me in the least. I haven't gotten this virus. And I've been extraordinarily active. I go everywhere. I do whatever I want to do. And I've worn a mask. And I have my hand sanitizer. But a lot of people were getting the virus regardless of masks and hand sanitizers. Now I have the vaccine. I have followed the science that I believed I followed the men and women in science who I respected. As soon as Anthony Fauci told Americans you don't need a mask, I was sitting in my chair at my desk, my wife on one side, my stepdaughter on the other, and she's graduating from medical school. And I heard him say, you don't need to wear a mask, you know, if you touch your face and the, the spittle, the, the get on your fingers, you get it in your nostrils. I said, who is this idiot? Oh, he's Dr. Fauci. And I said, I'm getting masks. Why, I was asked. Why? I said, because he can't be right. I don't care who he is. Surgeons wear masks for a reason. And when they're epidemics, doctors and nurses wear masks. I'm going to wear a mask. See, I didn't need the government to tell me to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. I made the decision myself. Now, the government has since put in rules. And, of course, corporate America is uh, 
Well, they're a bunch of cowards, except when it comes to their customers, who they're very much prepared to punish. These corporate boards and these corporate managers now are clearly on the left. And they will carry out the wishes of the government. They're not believers in capitalism and so forth. They're just not. Now we have Joe Biden. Joe Biden cannot help but lie. Joe Biden is a serial liar. He is a career liar. Which is why I believe Tyree. Remember, believe the women, and I believe that woman. And Joe uh, Biden, on top of it, is a serial liar. So, but he's out there again today, thanking himself for all the progress we've made with the vaccine, lying through his false teeth about his role in the last seven weeks in saving America. And I think he's actually figured out who his wife is and his sister is, and I'm told he doesn't confuse them anymore. Well, that's good to know. Here's Joe Biden at the White House today, taking credit for something he had nothing to do with. Cut 10, go. When I announced in early December that I had a goal that I set of administering 100 million shots for the virus, In the first 100 days. You know, it's amazing. The man is barely functional. He's barely functional. And here he's taking credit for something he had nothing to do. They give him the the monitor to read from. This is, we're living through an unreality. We're living through a fake presidency that is doing enormous damage to this country. And he keeps repeating himself because he knows it'll resonate throughout the media and the media to people who don't really pay attention. They'll get their vaccine. And you see, it was the Trump virus, but it's the Biden vaccine. And that's what the left and the Democrats and all the handlers and propagandists want the country to believe. But for Donald Trump taking the whip to the FDA, but for Donald Trump with his strength, character and personality and his private sector experience, listen to me. We would have no effective vaccines whatsoever, period. If we had to rely on Fauci and Biden, they'd still be talking about the science, so we need to be patient, and this is a war, and they'd be going on and on. That's what they always did. That's what they always do. What was the difference here? Trump. It's the Trump vaccine. It's not the Pfizer vaccine. It's not the Moderna vaccine. It's not the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They're the Trump vaccines. Why? Not because he was in a white coat in a lab inventing the vaccines, because he made it possible. He made it possible. The communist Chinese gave us the virus, and it's Donald Trump in the end who's going to defeat it. But Joe Biden is desperately looking for credit, desperately. Go ahead. 100 million shots in 100 days. It was considered uh, ambitious. No, it wasn't. It's exactly what was happening. As a matter of fact, we had reached 1.3 million shots each day. And as the people in Operation Warp Speed will tell you, it was always going to ramp up. You don't ramp up at the beginning with 300 million shots, ladies and gentlemen, in the first day. It doesn't work that way. Everybody knows that, except this blunderbust here. He doesn't. You know... uh... What am I doing, the thing? I don't know. And I told you, and they thought it was ambitious. And here I am, seven weeks in. And look at me. I beat the ambitious expectations. Look at me. Look what, I, look what I've done, honey. 
I mean, uh, Pasaki. Look what I've done here. And only I could have pulled this off. Only, only I could have done this. Go ahead. Even suggested By the more. way, my Biden imitation now, I just, thank me very much. It's the best, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Spot on, baby. Go ahead. Experts said that it was, uh, the plan was, quote, definitely aggressive. And distribution- what expert? They said that my plan was aggressive. It's definitely uh, aggressive. That was aggressive. We were already doing it, you numbskull. Go ahead. Have to be seamless for us to be successful. Oh, good One headline simply put it, quote, it won't be easy. Here, here, let's just do the. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Joe Biden here. I want you to thank me, and I want you to credit me for saving you. I, I want you to give me all the credit for the vaccines here. You know, when I was in my basement in Wilmington, Delaware, I said to my wife, Dr. Jill, I said, you know, you know, Joe, where is my oatmeal? I said, there. Where, where is it? I want to, you know, I want my oatmeal, you know, with a little bit of uh, brown sugar in there. I like the brown sugar, raisins. I want some raisins. I know some people don't want the raisins. Now and then we have strawberries in there. And I said, you know, you know, Jill. um, And then I forgot what I was saying. But I I just want to say to you, the American people here, nobody expected that. We would be able to reach my ambitious goals, nobody, but here I am. We needed more vaccines. We got more vaccines. I triggered the Defense Production Act, as we like to call it in Washington, the DPA. And I triggered the DPA, and magically, all of a sudden, you know, we're able to push out all these vaccines. So all of you people getting the vaccines out there, you can credit me, Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah, me, Joe Biden. Go ahead. Well, it wasn't. When I took Ah, shut up, you idiot. You make us all dumber just listening to you. You lie like a rug. Cut 11, go. Using the power given to a president under the Defense Production Act. It had nothing to do with the Defense Production Act, you moron. You didn't expedite anything. These companies are trying to expedite it. These companies have been working together. These companies were capitalized by the Trump administration. You had nothing to do with it. You were in the basement picking your nose. That's exactly right. You're accusing the president of the United States, then Donald Trump, of killing people when he just saved millions of people as a result of these these, uh, three vaccines. You have nothing to do with saving anybody. You creep. That's right. I said it. Yeah. The defense production. Yeah, I did all this stuff. Go ahead. We expedited critical materials in vaccine production, such as equipment, machinery, and supplies. Oh, they expedited equipment, machinery, and supplies. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? They come into office, there's no vaccines. That's what he said. They couldn't find 20 million that had been produced. And but for Biden, he hasn't even had his people in place. But it doesn't matter. 
They said, Joe Biden's coming. Oh, my God. Let's expedite production. Please trigger the Defense Production Act because we, these companies, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We don't know how to produce this stuff. We don't know how to expedite this stuff. We don't know how to get the material. We need Joe Biden to tell us how to do it. I'm, I'm here, I'm Joe. I'm here now. I'm, I'm here. Uh, uh, can you move it along a little bit quicker? There. I told him to move it along a little bit quicker. The magic of Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen. What did he call himself? Corn something or other? Corn pop or whatever? The magic of corn pop. The dumbest man to ever serve in the United States Senate. The dumbest man to ever be vice president of the United States. The dumbest man to ever be president of the United States. And listen to him. He's so pathetically sorry. Listen to him. Constantly with these these incoherent teleprompter statements written by by his chief of staff the chief staff infection ron Klain and the others joe do this and they and they write it in capital fonts that you know about six inches high i i i triggered the defense production we expedite my teeth are loose i'll be right back in. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that it wasn't all that long ago, a few months ago, when Joe Biden was mocking the potential of vaccines, when he was discouraging people from taking vaccines, when Kamala Harris did the same thing, and then they jumped at the front of the line and they got the first vaccines or among those who did. They mocked the whole process. They attacked the President of the United States. They said he was cutting corners. The Democrat Party was putting out information, propaganda, that it wasn't possible. That Trump was doing this for political reasons. I interviewed President Trump in September. It was one of the first things I raised with him, and he was appalled. He said, yes, we're going to have vaccines either by the end of October or early November. And he was right. The Democrats were lying. They always lie. When their mouths move, they lie. 
And now they're taking credit. Credit for what? What the hell did the Democrats do? What did Joe Biden... Hey, hey, uh, the Defense Production Act, uh, yeah. DPA, the DEPA. What a clown, what a fool. You realize this man's not giving a State of the Union address or even issuing a State of the Union statement the first time in American history because he can't stand straight and speak for 45 or 50 minutes without everybody, the entire world, shocked that half of our country's filled with such stupid people that they would vote for this guy. And that the disgusting, corrupt media would promote him. They promoted a man who is mentally incapable of doing the job while he's taking credit for the vaccines and the distribution. Hey. Hey, hi, everybody. Yeah, hey, hey, Joe, what's going on? What? What? Why won't you have a press conference? Why do I need a press conference? The press supports me. And a conference with whom? And by the way, what do you think the Xi in China and the Islamo-Nazi in, uh, in Tehran and, and Putin and all the rest of them? They're laughing at us. The election of Joe Biden, such as it was, is a provocation. Because our enemies are thinking, all right, when are we going to move? We've got to move sometime during this nitwits presidency. And Kamala Harris is making most of the calls to world leaders. Kamala, how are you? Where's Joe? He's busy, you know, he's, he's in the basement making vaccines. He's actually stirring it up, a little bit of vinegar, a little bit of oil, distilled water. Oh, yeah. Joe's the guy. Sick. We're living a lie in this country, an absolute lie. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden's got it all figured out. Oh, yeah. He's got it all figured out. He's rearranging the entire society and culture. With the help of his friends, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They have the pulse of the nation, these people. Chuck Schumer's been in public office his entire life. Joe Biden's been in public office his entire life. Nancy Pelosi, her entire career, she's been in public office. Not a damn one of them have ever experienced what goes on in the streets, in the stores, on the farms, anything in real America. All they know is to grab power and redistribute it and hold it, and expand it. That's all they know. They don't know from butkus. But don't worry. They're doing it for the little guy, for the people, whether the little guy or the people know it or not. This radical, anti-American, neo-Marxist agenda. Did they run on this? Did Joe Biden run on this? When President Trump confronted Joe Biden during the debates, Joe Biden laughed it off. Joe Biden dismissed it. The morons, they call them debate moderators, who are in the back pocket of the Democrat Party, for whom it's all show, were they very good or responsible and really ferreting out what Joe Biden was up to? Of course not. And where who does Joe Biden go to speak to? A Clinton hack by the name of George Stephanopoulos. Or who else will they talk to? A Democrat hack by the name of Jake Tapper. Or who else might they talk to? Another Democrat hack by the name of Chuck Todd. They're everywhere. They're everywhere like cockroaches. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, theoretically, you should protect all the mucosal surfaces. So if you have goggles or an eye plate or an eye shield, you should use it. I mean, uh, it's not universally recommended, but if you really want to be complete, you should probably use it if you can. It's just that it's so easy for people to just make a cloth mask. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am Mark Levin, and that is, you might think that's a quack. Don't say such things about the Fouch, Dr. Fauci. Hey, uh, you know, if you got goggles, can you imagine Americans walking around with masks and goggles? He said that in July 2020, and he wasn't joking. He was serious. And then after you get the vaccines, uh, you should wear double masks. Well, why? Well, you never know if there's something out there, some virus hiding behind the bushes. You just, you just don't know. Uh, it's time for this guy to take an exit to get the hook. But a party and an administration that has as its leader, Joe Biden, would never give Fauci the hook. No. No. So uh, this is where we are. And uh, we do have an audio of uh, Kamala Harris. And when Mr. Producer has it, we will play that for you, too, where she said, oh, you have it now? Well, let's play that. Let's jump right in. Go ahead. The Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election. Should Americans take it? And would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci... If the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. No, uh, aren't you cool? Then, you know, first of all, moron. And yes, I believe in equality, equity, egalitarianism. She's a moron. Just like her boss, an idiot. Donald Trump didn't tell people to take a vaccine before it was approved by the FDA, and he would never do that, and that's not how it works, and she knows it. But they exploit, they propagandize, and she was among the first in line. She butt in line in order to get her vaccine, just like Dopey did. They put it down, then they get in line first, then they take credit for it. Now they're telling everyone to take it and to get it. That's what we're dealing with. Look, the fact is, let's be honest, we constitutional conservatives, every level we meet, isn't it true that they're kind of stupid and nutty? I don't care how many degrees they have, I don't care how clever they sound, they're mostly stupid and nutty. In order to be a leftist, a democratic socialist, in order to vote for somebody like Biden, you have to have a few loose screws, right? A couple of marbles are bouncing around. Well, these are them, that's that, that's who they are. Now, did you know that if you're upset about what's going on on the border, if you believe in following our immigration laws, did you know if, if you believe that raping and molesting little kids who are turned over to coyotes and others to come across the border so the parents could follow, that if you oppose that, there might be something wrong with you? Well, Joy Reid who is a race baiter of the worst order, 
who, uh, who lied about her posts in the past, but she was never canceled because she was homophobic. Now she's just, you know, phobic about, uh, I guess, white people, Caucasians. Joy Reid and Julian Castro. And that last name does ring a bell. They're on MSLSD last night. Now, first of all, what kind of a network which has any reputation for journalism, seriousness, or anything of the sort would have Joy Reid as a host? And, oh, Joy, I'm not saying that because you're black. I'm saying it because you're an idiot. And you're a race baiter. And, no, I'm not saying it because Julian Castro is Latino. I'm saying it because... He is the same, exactly the same. I'm saying it because of your ideologies, because you're hate mongers, and I'm going to prove it to you. I want you to listen to Joy Reid. Why is it that every jerk who's not a Joy is named Joy? What's the other one on The View? Joy Behar and Joy Reid. Oh, they're such joys, these two. And then Julian Castro. Cut three, go. You know, there's a poll out today. Reuters has a poll saying 22 percent of Republicans said in a poll this month they consider immigration to be the most important problem, up from 7 percent. I mean, it's back to the kind of the same thing that, you know, of a, there is a lack of, of sort of compassion. On the I other side. see. So compassion is supporting what's going on in the border. Let, we got to get this straightened out. The left doesn't support compassion. The left doesn't support humanity. The left doesn't support people. They are arrogant, ignorant, iron-fisted ideologues. Like most Marxists and neo-Marxists. You're the toe the line or else. There's nothing compassionate about what they do to their fellow human beings. Whether they, and I'll get into this later. Go ahead. It's a fear that more brown people will come. Oh, that's it. She got it. It's a fear that more brown people are coming in, ladies and gentlemen. I told you she's a racist and a race baiter. Everything now where you object. Wait a minute. You're going to destroy our voting system. Oh, you're a racist. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you oppose the critical race theory. You must be a racist. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, you support opening the schools. Yes, I do. Well, that's because you're a white racist. Oh, who knew? Who knew? You oppose mandating a national $15 minimum wage? That's because you're a racist. Uh, whoop, I am? Oh, you are. Yes. You want to secure the border? Yes, I do. Ah, it's because you don't want brown people coming across. Whoa, okay, you're right. Yep, yep, absolutely. Climate change and environmental injustice. You don't support destroying the capitalist system? I mean, you must be a racist. Whoop, hey. These are reprobates. They're as sleazy and unconscionable and evil and diabolical as it gets. I don't care if they're black or brown. I don't care if they're white. I don't care if they're men or women. I don't care if they're straight or they're not straight. I don't care if they change their genitalia or what they do with their genitalia. It's what's between their ears that troubles me and what comes out of their big mouths that trouble me. They make the most outrageous comments, and there they are on MSNBC, which is owned by Comcast, which allows people like this to spread this kind of poison each and every damn day. 
They don't care about brown or black people. Because if they cared about brown or black people, they'd want a secure border. They want an orderly process. They wouldn't want a president, Mr. No IQ, encouraging little kids to come across the border and parents to send them, many of whom are being molested. Now, it seems to me Joy Brown doesn't care about brown people or black people or Julian Castro either. Go ahead. How how can the Biden administration manage that? Because the other side isn't providing a political solution or offering to get on board. Yes, actually, we are providing a political solution and we're making a lot of suggestions. In fact, Donald Trump did it. He showed it worked. It's called securing the border. It's called having a fence that's impenetrable. It's called having an orderly process so people aren't sending their children across the border with coyotes. It's so to prevent the drug lords from sending opioids across the border. That's how this is supposed to work. We actually have Hispanic Americans on the border living in these communities uh, who are very upset about what's taking place. Tell me, Joy, where do you live? Where do you live? Do you live on, in McAllen, Texas? Uh, where do you live, Joy? No, she doesn't. Tell me, Julian Castro, do you live down there? No, I'm in San Antonio. Yes, yes, you're in San Antonio. Your honor, you're protected, you're vetted, you're, you're, you're held on, the sh- on people's shoulders. Oh, the great Julian Castro. Go ahead. They're just saying be afraid of these brown people. Nobody's saying be afraid of brown people, you jackass. You're a disgrace. You're a disgusting disgrace. Nobody's saying be afraid of brown people or any people. How appalling. Go ahead. Well, you're right, Joe. I mean, this is part of their playbook. It's something that we've seen. Part of whose playbook, you moron? Unbelievable what's going on in this country. Unbelievable the comments that they make in this country. For years, I've made the point, and now the backbenchers are suddenly picking up on it and blustering through. Here in America, if we're anything like Joy Reid and Julian Castro or any of the others say, and I've said this on TV, I've said it behind the microphone, I've written about it, and I'll say it until I'm actually blue in the face. Can I be blue in the face, Mr. Producer? Is that against blue people? The idea that people of color, of all colors, of all backgrounds, of all faiths, of all physical types would be sending their children to come across the border, would be willing to travel a thousand miles to come into the United States, is absolute evidence that we're nothing like Joy Reid and Castro and the other clowns and demagogues and propagandists say we are. Otherwise, people of color would be leaving America to go to these nirvanas in Central and South America. They would be leaving in droves by the millions trying to cross the border into Mexico and the Honduras, Guatemala. They'd be breaking down our barriers to leave our country. Tell me, is that happening? Tell me, has that ever happened? Is it ever going to happen? That's how sick Joy Reid and Castro and MSNBC and these other punks are absolutely sick. All their talk about racist America, 
All their talk about white supremacy. All their talk about racializing everything. The fact of the matter is, they would never leave America for any one of these hellholes. And yes, I call it a hellhole. You know how I know they're hellholes? Because millions of people are trying to leave these hellholes. And Joe Biden says the people who are oppressed have a right to come into America. So they're being oppressed in these hellholes. They're refugees, they're being told. Even though 90% of them turn out aren't refugees, doesn't matter. So many people on TV who are given TV cameras and microphones in front of the Klieg lights sit there and trash their own country. We've never seen anything like this in our history. We have people sitting there trashing our country, lying about our country, doing the propaganda of all of our enemies, all of our enemies around the world. They don't even need to infiltrate our newsrooms. Our newsrooms are there for them. So the Republicans want to stop brown people from coming in America. You understand? And yet, then, I guess it's fair to say that the Democrats want little brown kids to be raped as they try and come into America. That would be the logical follow-up, wouldn't it, Mr. Producer? I guess Democrats want little brown kids to be molested. I guess Democrats want their parents to send them across the border so they could be housed in freight boxes and in cages that were originally built by Obama. Biden. I guess Democrats want that, don't they, ladies and gentlemen? Because they're compassionate. This is a very sick ideology, and that is a very sick party. And any media corporation, whether it's Comcast that owns NBC and MSNBC, or AT&T, which owns CNN, or Amazon that owns the Washington Post, or whoever owns the the New York Slimes and so forth, to push this kind of anti-American, flat-out, vile lies about the American people is a disgrace. And let me remind Joy Reid, and let me remind Mr. Castro, neither of them who've ever served in in the military and the police force and helped this country, that we have a hell of a lot of men and women overseas defending brown people, defending people of, of color, defending Muslims, as well as other people. How do you account for that, Joy Reid? How do you account for that, Castro? You're sick bastards. That's the bottom line. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to pure talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. 
Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Joy Reid and Julian Castro and the uh, the conga line of frauds and phonies on these cable shows as well as in the uh, print media. Why do they keep stereotyping minorities? Why do they keep insisting that we create environments for them that are hostile to them where they can't grow, where they can't enjoy freedom? Why is it? That they don't like people of color. Whether they're of people of color, these, these hosts and these reporters, beside the point. Why is it that the neo-Marxist radical left constantly seeks to confine people of color to certain types of jobs and communities and stereotypes them as they do? Why is it that they have no compassion whatsoever for people of color? They just want to redistribute wealth and advance the cause of autocratic centralized government, which they know doesn't work, but they don't care because they want power. They want ratings. They want slobbering sponsors. So why do they abuse the minorities in this country? And not just minorities, but all working people in this country. They talk about the rich. So why do they want to subsidize colleges and universities for mostly upper middle class and rich white kids? That's the Democrats' position to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. Why do they want to get debt relief to people who are among the richest in the country who took out loans for over $50,000? Why is it? They're brown people and black people. And why is it that middle class people of all races, including white people, why should they subsidize the loans that were taken out of, pay off the loans that were taken by wealthier people? And yet that's what the Democrats want to do. You have Harvard sitting there with a $40 billion endowment. Two-thirds of the people in this country never graduated from a four-year college. Why are they who earn less than people who have subsidizing Wealthier people, and yet that's what the Democrats want to do. Why do the Democrats, Joy Reid, Castro, and the other reprobates, why do they support illegal immigration when it harms our poorest communities the most and strains the resources there? Why do they support bringing foreigners into this country who prevent low and unskilled workers, mostly people of color in this country, American citizens, from getting jobs and driving down wages. Why does Joy Reid support that? Why does Castro support that? Why do they want to eliminate fossil fuels and drive up the cost of gasoline and electricity, which affects and harms most poorer people, particularly minorities? Why do they back the teachers' unions who prevent little kids from going into schools like Orville Faubus and George Wallace? Why do they oppose school choice, which gives them the liberty of taking and going to other schools? Why do Joy Reid and Castro and all these other left-wing kooks hate minorities, poorer people? 
you can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. You know, it's been a long time since Chris Horner's been here. I wonder what happened to him. I thought maybe he fled and went to the other side of the border. But no, he's with the energy policy advocates. He's a good man, and he's warning us that the Biden administration is going to try and implement the Green New Deal, an attack on capitalism, an attack on our way of life, through the back door. Because this is what Biden administration and these neo-Marxists do. They don't believe in the constitutional system, representative government, federalism, constitutional government. It's always by sleight of hand. How do you get around the Constitution? How do you get around the filibuster? How do you get around the Electoral College? And here it's no different. But our friend Chris Horner has found out stuff, and I wanted him directly to reveal it to you. Chris, how are you? I'm great, Mark. Thank you. What's going on here, brother? Okay, so these progressive AGs, beginning in late 2019, when it appeared that President Trump might well be elected, were trying to find a way. These are according to emails we've, we've obtained through requests and, unfortunately, a lot of litigation, much of which is still going on. They're trying to find a way to reinstate President Obama's global warming agenda and expand it economy-wide. And they discussed a frontal approach. And then that became obviously not a very good idea during an election year. It would be too obvious. And so there's a gentleman who used to, who was behind Obama's plan, who went to Harvard and is now back in the Biden administration running this, who, who put them in touch with a bunch of former, these AGs in touch with a bunch of former EPA lawyers and other officials who counseled them on a back door, a, a sneaky way. So let's slow down here. So we right. have former EPA officials under the Obama administration working with Democrat left-wing state attorneys general. Go ahead. Yes. And they're trying to find a way together, first to sue EPA, but now when their political fortunes change, to try to sue and settle with EPA to get this agenda in place without voting on for something that would kill jobs. They're the people who voted for its jobs to begin with. Uh, you remember Senator Kamala Harris voted present on the Green New Deal when that was presented to the Senate, uh, and the House, of course, wouldn't pass it. This is politically perilous, and these AGs and, and the activists were trying to find a way to do this stealthily without Democratic approval. Now, let me, and, let me underscore your point, then, then I want you to elaborate further. So basically what people need to understand is, and they used to do this and still do uh, with the Department of Justice. So what they want to do then is bring certain types of litigation. So the attorneys general then would sit down at the table to negotiate a settlement with the very people who are advising them or the very people who share their ideological objective. So it's not really a hostile lawsuit. It is a sleazy legal mechanism to try and get the issues in front of the government where the government and the litigant can then agree and the rest of us are all screwed. We're all on the hook. There's no adversarial process. The court approves it, and it's the equivalent of regulation, where it starts the process, but it can expedite things. It can cut some corners, and that's clearly the plan. In fact, the day before the inauguration, these attorneys general – filed suit against this EPA to start this process. It was, it was a, you, they're going to claim it's an, a children struggling to breathe issue. It's not, but that was the plan, and that's part of the, the sneakiness of it. And so it's a sue-and-settle plan. It was, in fact, there were no other parties involved, but fortunately some attorneys general on the right side jumped in, 
We filed a brief with the D.C. Circuit a few weeks ago pointing out what's going on. But the 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 runway or the, the, the airport with all these Sioux and Settles is starting to, to pile up here. We've just seen three getting teed up. And so it's clear how they're planning on doing business and clear they want to, A, they need to avoid Congress to get this agenda in place because this agenda is the lockdown economy. It mandates it. It's not just the 2020 harm. It requires doing that harm to yourself each additional each year over year, every year. And that's why, of course, the democratic process would never approve it and why they have to go through these channels. It's enormously difficult to even keep track at both the amount and the breadth of the totalitarian tactics of the left, isn't it? It is is, uh, a constant effort to violate the normal channels of governance. It's a constant effort to keep the American people uninformed and to do things behind their back, as you point out, through the back door. Uh, And the Democrats do not believe in this system of government. Their attorneys general don't believe in this system of government. The people they send to Washington and to the White House don't believe in this system of government because they're constantly trying to rip it down and use it against itself. And so it's important that people like you raise this issue about what's going on, because this has nothing to do with the environment, does it, Chris? No, we could uh, – if we take ownership of a, a global atmospheric, let's say carbon dioxide, we could do anything we wanted to ourselves or actually never approved doing to ourselves, but they wanted to do to us. We wouldn't change the temperature, and there's no claim we would. We likely wouldn't impact global atmospheric concentrations of these things. It's not about the climate. There aren't projections that this would impact the climate. It's about control, and maybe we, we don't live the lives they want us to live. These folks don't seem to be deterred by anything. The back door was actually one of these former EPA employees' words to these attorneys general in how to do this. They know what it's about, and they were very express. This isn't going to get through Congress, so we've got to find a way. And there's a lot of angst in these emails about what the Supreme Court would deal them when it gets there. But their first hurdle was the D.C. Circuit. Their concern, and you may have seen Senator Kamala Harris questioning Judge Amy Coney Barrett at her confirmation hearing about climate, they knew these issues were coming before the court, mm-hmm. both the tort bars and the regulatory issues. And this was of great concern to them in the emails, but the key was to get it in place because sometimes they win by losing. They did this with one of the Obama rules. They killed an industry, in, in many respects, coal, with a rule that they ended up losing on in the Supreme Court. But in those 18 months, they can do tremendous economic harm and, as we've seen, kill many communities and get their way even though they were wrong. Well, I think they'll have a more friendly Supreme Court than most people realize, uh, given what John Roberts has done as the Chief Justice of the United States, which, of course, is a disgrace. Now, how did you learn of this information? You came across emails, correct? Right. It was first by fluke. One email was buried in a very large production in October of 2019 that that had a PowerPoint. It referenced a PowerPoint called Climate NACS, N-A-A-Q-S dot PowerPoint. Well, that was, that set off alarm bells. The rest of it was redacted, but even the Obama EPA administrator, Lisa Jackson, had said that's not advisable. And Green Group attorneys were quoted saying, hell would freeze over before we tried this. Don't worry, stop talking about it. It's that radical. And so we began pressing for what is this discussion of a climate next? And it led to, at some point a few months later, these attorneys general realized what we were on to and clamped down. 
We have a secrecy pact they signed, a, a purported common interest agreement that clearly isn't to hide these public records from the public. So we have filed suit from Oregon to Washington State, Michigan, Minnesota, Virginia, Massachusetts, and we're, we're pressing, and we're getting quite a bit. Oregon seems to have the trouble. You know, a, a, an attorney funded by Michael Bloomberg was running this liaison with the former EPA officials. You've heard of these private attorneys that Bloomberg arranged for to be placed in AG's offices to push this agenda. Well, his, his attorney in the Oregon Department of Justice ran this liaison to arrange this. And they're throughout these offices that have sued to make this happen. So there's an awful lot of special interest involvement in trying to bring this about around the Democratic Party. Isn't it amazing, Chris Horner, how many billionaires hate our country? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You have Soros, you have this guy, you got, you got a long list of them. And uh, they benefit enormously from this country. And then they go through the Constitution. What can we attack? Well, there's the First Amendment. There's the Second Amendment. We can attack uh, the Fifth Amendment, private property rights, and the takings clause. And, of course, the environment. Because the environment opens up everything. And it's a great propaganda tool. You know, we want clean air and clean water. These people are attacking our foundational principles, aren't they? They, they? This isn't about clean air and clean water. We have mostly clean air and clean water, don't we? Oh, no, it, absolutely, and it's not about the climate. In fact, I have, a, I have a memo dated today in Obama's first year. In, it's a strategic communications memo in which they say, look, the public aren't sold on this. It's a consistently unpersuasive argument, so we need to make it about what the public care about. We need to make it about your neighbors struggling to breathe because our polls show that's what they care about. And voila, energy rationing became about the neighbors struggling to breathe. It's not about the neighbors struggling to breathe. This is a cynical rebranding. It's energy rationing because if you have this abundant, reliable, affordable energy, the tyranny of that, you might use it. And a lot of people don't like that. Mm -hmm. And who suffers the most? They're driving up the cost of electricity. They're driving up the cost of driving uh, vehicles with the gasoline. Uh, you're going to have blackouts and brownouts. We've had this experiment in, uh, in California. And, uh, but they plow ahead because they don't really believe in capitalism or growth, do they? It's terribly regressive, to your first point. It hurts seniors, anybody on a low and fixed income, first and worst, because we all pay for energy. The people promoting this will never feel it. The Gulfstream class will not be impacted by this. But seniors and the poor have something called energy poverty imposed upon them, and it's killing seniors by the literally tens of thousands just in the U.K., According to The Guardian, fuel poverty, they call it there, but energy poverty. You're, you're pricing energy out of people's reach, but not out of the reach of people promoting this agenda. But again, it's in the name of climate, but they won't do a cost-benefit because there is no claimed detectable impact on climate. It's not, it's not rationally about the climate. I understand that the, the kids on campus shrieking about this insist it's about the climate, but it's not rationally about the climate because what will the temperature be after this? backdoor move. It'll be the same as it would have been without it. But you're going to, as we know, in those laboratories of bureaucracy who are down the road on this agenda, you will kill people. You can't, Fred Smith with the Competitive Enterprise Institute, which I worked with for 20 years, used to say, you can't, you can't, you, I, I forget his phrase, but let's just say save the planet, but you can kill millions trying. Mm -hmm. And that's, you can do an awful lot of harm in the name of doing good. All right, my friend. Uh... You're a very, very important uh, source in this nation, and uh, keep banging the pots and pans and keep litigating. You're terrific, and we very much appreciate it.
Thank you, Mark. All right, Chris. Take care of yourself. Chris Horner. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Richard XM Satellite in Colorado. Go right ahead, sir. Yeah, Mark. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Great talking to you. Um, How do you know that yet, by the way? (laughs) I've been listening (laughs) to you for the last five years. I'm messing with you. All All right. Go right ahead. Yeah, you're all good. Yeah, so I'm an anesthesiologist, and one of the things that really doesn't make any sense to me uh, with just the simple knowledge I have with medicine, they always say these uh, vaccines are 90% effective. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the definition of effective? Now, back in March last year, um, I had COVID. I knew I had it. I was just exhausted and what have you. That's when the whole uh, economy was shut down, and mm-hmm. we, wouldn't, we were not doing uh, surgeries or anything during that month. But um, I knew I had it, so I got, went to my primary care, got my antibody tests, and I had an IgG and an IgM antibody, which means the, the – uh, the soon the um, acute one, I guess the first one you get is IgM and then the IgG. So I said, okay, no problem. Well, then uh, in November, I got my antibodies tested again this past November, and I'm still positive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got the antibody. Well, what do we do? I mean, do you get the vaccine and then you check for the antibody? I don't know what T cells. That's a good point. I mean, I'm obviously a pedestrian, but why would you get the vaccine? Oh, I'm not going to. I mean, Absolutely at this not. point, you, at this point, you don't really need it yet, right? But but no one's ever said when they say ninety percent effective. I want to know, okay, ninety percent effective. But even if they say ninety percent effective, the point is everybody doesn't need the vaccine. No, no, I agree with you completely. Yeah. But I would like to know what they mean if ten percent are not effective. Well, I want to know the test they're using as the gold standard. What's the gold standard? What do you determine if somebody? You know, has has this because I, I feel sorry for the people that don't have uh, immunization. Maybe they should try the different vaccine because you're assuming, you know, 10 percent of people not having it, not having a response to that. That's just crazy. Um, you know, I yeah, would, but I you would... know what? You know what? I don't know. I mean, uh, you get this flu vaccine and it's less effective than over 90 percent because it's hit and miss. And everybody goes in and they get the flu vaccine, or most a lot of people do. I do sometimes. 
And I can't be sure whether or not it's going to be effective at all. Sometimes it's, oh, it's the wrong strain. We didn't know which strain it was. So it's not effective in the least. Right? So nothing's 100% effective that I'm aware of. Maybe the polio vaccine, but that's about it. Well, like I got my uh, uh, rubella titers. You know, Mm -hmm. I still have rubella titers. I mean, yeah, what I mean is... No offense. What the hell is a rubella titer? Rubella. It's one of those uh, childhood diseases. Okay. Mumps uh, rubella. It's that kind of stuff. So, okay. But that's, I would love to see, really, these immunologists, what they would do. And one, one more thing. I want to switch gears. I just wanted to ask you one question. When yes, you talk sir. About uh, these immigrant workers and things like that working out in the fields and what have you. Um, I, I want somebody to mow my lawn for a dollar. Mm-hmm. But, Mark, I can't find anybody. I think we should just open the borders up so people can mow my lawn for a dollar. Of course. Isn't that the way it goes? I mean, that's what these big corporations want. Uh, here's the other thing. These people who sit in these studios, like Joy Reid, and the guests that they bring on, who are cherry-picked to be the most outrageous, radical leftists you could imagine in every respect, they are utterly unaffected by the policies that they promote. Utterly unaffected. They don't work at a 7-Eleven or McDonald's. They don't live on the border. They're They're not in charge of school systems on the border. They're not in charge of anything. All they do is sit there with that hot air, their carbon dioxide popping out of their pores, And that's it. They have no real-world effect on what they're promoting at all. And then they sit there and call people names and divide this country while they pretend they support unity. They talk about other other people inciting hatred when they sit there and spew these poisonous, cancerous comments left and right. And these corporations, whether it's Comcast or AT&T or the rest of them, pay these people to be hate mongers and race baiters. I mean, this is the sickness that's in our society right now. The media are the enemy of the people because the media hate the people. And they hate all the people. Don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. They hate people of color. They hate white people. They hate. They're pushing an ideological agenda. That's what they're doing. And then you have suckers like Scarborough and so forth who are uh, do whatever he has to do uh, for a buck. All right, doctor, I want to thank you very much. Didn't mean to step on your toes with that. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Xavier Becerra has been confirmed as Secretary of HHS by a vote of 50 to 49, and I hope the people of West Virginia and Arizona are listening to me. Because phony moderate cinnamon and phony moderate mansion voted for him. 
He's an extremist who believes in abortion right up to birth. He's an extremist who as attorney general brought a lawsuit against nuns who wouldn't agree with him on the issue of abortion. He's obsessed with abortion, and he's obsessed with as much abortion subsidized by the taxpayers as possible. He's going to be running what is the largest organization overseeing doctors and scientific experts, and he's a slip-and-fall left-wing trial lawyer. He has absolutely no background in any science. He doesn't even know how to use a Band-Aid, I don't think. 50 to 49. 50 to 49. Becerra's confirmation, which all would but one Republican oppose. Who would that be? Susan Collins, the sole Republican yes vote. And Joe Manson came out in support of the confirmation. Well, maybe Cinema didn't vote for him. Can we find that out, Mr. Producer, and see if we can dig that up? This is really quite unbelievable, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Susan Collins voted for him. That's pretty sickening. It's very shocking. And so that's the person who's going to be running the department of HHS. Not just for choice, but for right to the bitter end, that you need to pay for it. Nuns need to pay for it. Nuns need to approve of it. But don't worry, he's a practicing Catholic. So that's not a problem. Now I want to move to New Hampshire. I don't mean physically move, because I have no desire to actually move to New Hampshire. But our friend Daniel Horowitz, New Hampshire Republican Governor Sununu, it's like the Kennedys in Massachusetts, threatens to veto a bill barring divisive anti-white curriculum in schools. Now this guy wants to be a senator. Cinema voted for him too. Okay, so Cinema's a phony moderate, Manchin's a phony moderate, and Susan Collins is unhinged. The reason the left has been so successful, writes Horowitz, in transforming the country even when Republicans are in charge is because Republicans have ceded the education system to the most extreme social engineers in the country. The latest fad is the teaching of this critical race theory. Now, I am proud to say, if we weren't the first, we were certainly among the first to bring this to your attention. And we're going to keep hammering away. Which essentially abuses young children with white guilt rather than de-emphasizing race altogether, as Martin Luther King did about a colorblind society and content of your character. Trump uprooted it from the federal curriculum last year, but now the Biden administration has brought it back in full force. Now that New Hampshire Republicans won the trifecta of government in the Granite State last November, they can easily get rid of this divisive education curriculum, right? And I want to salute Governor DeSantis once again taking the lead, announcing, I believe it was yesterday, but it doesn't matter, announcing that not one nickel of state dollar in Florida will be spent to promote an ideology that teaches people to hate each other based on race and teaches them to hate their country. You know what? This guy's a real leader, Mr. Producer. This guy is a real leader, and he's a governor, and that makes a difference to me, a big difference to me. 
Now let's go back to New Hampshire, where the Republicans control everything, except their governor, and he's a Republican. Now the New Hampshire, now the New Hampshire Republicans won the trifecta government in the Granite State. They can easily get rid of this, this racist theory. The New Hampshire House is planning to vote on HB 544, a bill that would prohibit New Hampshire public schools or government agencies from teaching divisive curricula like this. The bill enumerates the following list of offensive principles that have been percolating throughout the education system, the media, and the government there. A, one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. These are things they would prevent. The state of New Hampshire or the United States is fundamentally racist or sexist. An individual by virtue of his or her race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Among other things, I can't read them all. An individual's moral character is necessarily determined by his or her race or sex, and you get the picture. The Iowa House of Representatives recently passed a similar bill, barring all schools and government officials from teaching diversity training. Have you noticed it's only Republican legislatures that are doing this? Democrats are fine with it. But what's the problem in New Hampshire? In a shocking announcement, Governor Sununu indicated he would veto this bill. Hello, hello, Republicans in New Hampshire. Get rid of this fool. Look, this is a quote. That bill, I've read it to date, really limits free speech, said the governor on March 9 to NHPR radio, uh, radio show host. We may not like what is said in a public setting. Hey, idiot. We're talking about taxpayers financing this propaganda. It has nothing to do with free speech. Oh, my Lord. I guess the genes skipped a generation or two, Mr. Producer. We may not like what is said in a public setting or a school or uh, whatever it is, but that's the beauty of local control. You don't control that by having a big government law that says uh, you can't say certain things. Really? So you can promote racism in your schools? That's okay? What kind of a doofus is this? So like every rhino, Suno discovers, as Horowitz points out, his conservatism and his affinity for the Constitution in the wrong place at the wrong time. This is a man who has locked down his state and is criminalizing the breathing of human beings without masks. He has shredded life, liberty, and property of private citizens and has even criticized the legislature for encouraging quote-unquote law-breaking by zeroing out his COVID business fines, referring to his edicts as the law and the lawmakers as some pariahs who have no say in legislation. Yet the same man somehow thinks that educational institutions run by the state can only silence pro-American voices but not anti-American curriculum that it is somehow protected by the First Amendment. And you got to love his affinity for localism. Suddenly he thinks that little towns should be able to control the state's education process when he knows damn well that New Hampshire is not a home rule state. In other words, localities have less autonomy than in almost any state on nearly every policy issue because the state's constitution grants no power to towns and cities in that state. Sounds like it sucks, that Constitution. 
And remember, Sununu is being touted as the great hope of the GOP to win back the Senate for Republicans because he's weighing a challenge to Senator Maggie Hassan for the Senate seat in 2022. But this is why we have so many liberal Republicans in the Senate. And I'm sure McConnell's trying to recruit him. No. Nope. Another bridge too far. If this guy is unprincipled and he doesn't have the guts to stand up, screw this. The antithesis of someone like Sununu is Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Even without the legislature passing any bill, he announced yesterday he's banning critical race theory from schools. He says there's no room in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. Now that's a leader. That's a leader. Not no, 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 in uh, New Hampshire. And the Democrats blocked a Republican bill requiring migrants to test negative for COVID-19 before being released in the country. Oh, it's because the Democrats support people of color, don't you know? That's what's going on here. No, it's not. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. We have a state representative from New Hampshire. Her name is Representative Erica Layan, I believe. Uh, Madam State Representative, what can you tell us about what's going on in your state? Well, thank you so much for having me on, Mark. I definitely appreciate your show, and it was great to turn it on and see that you're talking about our divisive concepts bill here in New Hampshire. Um, We have House Bill 544 that is really misunderstood here in the state. Um, There's a lot of people that are trying to say that it means that we can't teach about the Holocaust. But what it really says is you you can teach about being a Nazi. You just can't teach how to be a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are missing that distinction. So this is uh, I mean, what's going on when your governor talks about free speech? How ridiculous is that? This has nothing to do with free speech. It has to do with the curriculum and what you can teach in your classrooms. Well, and when you look at it, too, a teacher, if they're hired to teach math, they don't have the free speech to then choose to teach history instead of math in their class. They're hired for a specific job in a specific curriculum. And this is something where we do have local control here in the state, which, which is another interesting point with this divisive concepts bill. Mm-hmm. 
So what happens now? He's threatening to veto it. What we need to do is we need to have enough that we're going to override that veto. I know that last session, um, last session there, there were some issues where we had to override some vetoes, um, and we were able to make it happen. I think that with this, we should be able to support this because we have things like we have teachers in dairy, a teacher in dairy on sabbatical who is being traced in uh, being taught in education equity. And this is critical race theory, even though she says that she's never heard the term critical race theory before. She is being paid on the Krista McAuliffe scholarship program in order to be trained and bring this back and infuse these values into our social studies curriculum in the dairy school district. And we've had teachers in Bedford, New Hampshire, that have had summer training in a critical race theory. And there's people that don't think this is happening, but it's happening now in our state. And we're making sure that we're getting the, the lawmakers educated about this so that we can stop this now. Isn't it amazing how this is secreted into our public schools uh, without anybody authorizing it? And then you turn around and the next day, you know, this is being taught to our kids. Well, it goes even deeper than that. It's not just a matter that they're not authorizing it. They're misleading the taxpayers and they're misleading parents about what they're doing in the schools. Um, I actually ran for school board in my town and we spoke about critical race theory and the school board still denies that they are teaching critical race theory, even though they have a teacher out on sabbatical. And this is a problem that needs to be exposed. And, and it's a big fight. We get targeted by the teachers' unions. We get targeted by everybody else. If you look to the platform from the NEA, they actually are teaching education equity. And education equity is critical race theory. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's not just happening in New Hampshire. It's being forced across the country, and we need to take back our education. And it's being forced on the federal government. It's being forced by Joe Biden, who signed an executive order to this effect. Uh, and it is a very perverse and racist and extremist ideology that even attacks uh, what uh, Martin Luther King taught, that even attacks the civil rights movement. It's really, uh, it's really poison. And the idea that your governor is talking about it like it's some uh, free speech issue, I'm telling you, as a constitutionalist, it is, has nothing to do with free speech. You're paying for these classrooms. You're paying for what goes on in these classrooms. You're deciding what textbooks are to be used, what kind of training is there, there is to be. And, of course, school boards and the state government has some say in how that takes place. If you want to have free speech and go outside the building after school and get on your soapbox and say whatever you want to say, that's one thing. But you don't have a constitutional right to brainwash our children. Anyway, exactly, there you go. Mark. Not, thank you. You ought to run for governor, by the way. What, <laughs> what area do you represent? I represent Derry. It's in Rockingham County. It's the Rockingham Six. Honestly, I don't even know why I asked you. I don't know anything about New Hampshire. Is that near <laughs> Massachusetts or near Canada? It's uh, which means Vermont. From Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's right up the ninety three corridor. It's that uh, we actually have one of the diners where all the presidential candidates come through. You know what? I told so, my I wife. That, uh, yeah. I told my wife, when I retire one day, we're going to get in our little RV and we're going to visit all these little towns, particularly the diners. So uh, we'll get up there one day, but it definitely won't be during wintertime. Oh, yes. So we have beautiful springs and summers. And if you uh, like to ski, the, the winters are good. <laughs> if you saw me, you'd know I wouldn't. But anyway, I want to thank you and uh, appreciate your call very much. But my thank wife you, Mark. Likes... I appreciate you having me on. God bless. My wife likes to ski.
I don't know what it is about skiing. People hurt their knees. They hurt their ankles. I like sitting there, basically, and eating a hamburger while everybody's skiing. You know what I mean, Mr. Producer? You look out the window. Oh, isn't that pleasant? And then uh, you get back to your French fries. Well, see, that lady has a lot of common sense. A lot of common sense. But this is happening in your school district. I guarantee it's happening in your school district. Let's go to Joe Stevens, Illinois, the great WSAU. Go! You're on, Joe. Hey, hi, Mark. How's it going? I am a conservative teacher, which I have to admit is like in a public school, kind of like being a the cape in a in a bullfight. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, we had an incident where critical race theory was introduced to all of the English teachers, and we had some meetings. And when they asked people for comments, I gave my full commentary. And I don't, you know, I feel like it didn't go over well with some of my colleagues, but. I hope you're tenured, you're, you're tenured, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm tenured. And, and I don't, you know, I'm old enough. Mm-hmm. If it happens, it happens, you know. But point was, like, I told them, like, look, if you want to talk about, like, you know, having diversity in literature, that's one thing. But this is a very specific specific theory with I'm going to have to go, uh, my friend, but what we're talking about here is blatant racism. That's what we're talking about. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Florida Civics Curriculum will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. Let me be clear, there's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. You know what I'm thinking, uh, America? If Donald Trump decides not to run, can you imagine DeSantis debating Biden? He'd mop the floor with him. He'd absolutely mop the floor with him. 
And one of the things I like about him, don't worry, I'm not getting ahead of my skis, the latest new phrase, is he's a governor, and he's a governor of a big state, a diverse state, a growing state, a successful state. That's a big deal. Richard, Orlando, Florida, the great XM satellite. How are you, sir? Mark, how are you doing? Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Thank you. Like yeah, I was yeah. telling, uh, like telling Richie, I am from Honduras. I was born and raised in Honduras. I came yes, to the sir. U.S. as an adult. Uh, this year is going to be 20 years since I moved here. And I get why all these people are leaving Honduras and El Salvador and all that, because crime is terrible. The prospect of making anything out of your life is basically zero, unless, you know, you're upper class. And the governments are just corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the current president, his brother is in trial for drug trafficking. Oh, really? In the U.S. Oh, so, so, so what does that tell you? Yep. So, you know, I, I was all for closing the border. I absolutely support 100% what the pres- President Trump did, closing the border. Let, let me ask you something. When you hear somebody like Joy Reid or Julian Castro, say that if you support enforcing our immigration laws and securing the border so you have some kind of a rational system that you can manage, that you must be against brown people. You're a brown person, I take it. I'm an olive-skinned person. Is that not offensive to you? It is very offensive. And for them to assume that because I am Hispanic, I'm going to be all for opening the border. That is even worse. Do all Hispanics think alike? Uh, No. Of course not. No, not really. You're an individual human being. It's crazy. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't have like tastes and, you know, uh, holidays, things of that sort, uh, uh, share a culture. But people are independent human beings, and they constantly want to put us into these groups, and then they label us, and they stereotype us. Is that not offensive? It is very offensive, and you know what? Sometimes what comes out of their mouths that oh, we need Hispanics because we need somebody to mow lawns or somebody to do construction. It's so outrageous. Yeah, go right ahead. I'm sorry. He raises an offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I am I am a, a mechanic by trade, but I also have a man. I could use you. I'm all thumbs under the hood. I'll tell you that. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> So, you know, like I have a college degree. My brother has a college degree. Wonderful. You know, but we are Hispanics. We, my brother works on computers. He can tear apart a computer, put it back together and program. Oh, man, I could use him, too. You know, so um, for them to think that the only thing we're good for is manual labor, that is horrible. And while I was on hold, I, I got to thinking, I'm like, they don't want us to assimilate into the culture mm-hmm. because the moment we do we see what the potential is for us, you know, what we can accomplish. When did you come here? What what year did you come here, Richard? 2001. How old were you? I am 42 now. So you were, uh, wow, and your English is impeccable. You speak better than uh, Joe Biden, may I say, with all due respect. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's... uh, I'm I'm actually quite nervous, so the action is coming out a little no, bit. More, no, 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 no! Don't be nervous. Um, You're a sharp uh, dude. You know, like, go ahead. I, I 
I became a police officer well really? into my 30s. I did, mm-hmm. yes. And I made it as far as making it to the Border Patrol Academy because I want to protect our borders. And, and what I found while I was there is a lot of the recruits, a lot of the new agents coming in are second generation, third generation Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Some of them mm-hmm. are first generation uh First-generation Mexicans and Puerto Ricans and stuff that... All right, let me ask you this. How, how do you explain the attraction of that job? And I'm told fi- over 50% of the people hold these positions have a, uh, have a Hispanic background. How do you explain because that? Because we see, we see what's coming through the border. Mm-hmm. We see the drugs. We see the human smuggling. We see young women and young girls getting raped. Yep. Both figuratively and literally by mm-hmm. the coyotes. God. You know, so we know what's coming across the border. As a police officer, I saw what was, you know, making it through the border. So, it, you know, how can you not try to go out there and try to go to the border and say, hey, we need to do something about it because this is unsustainable. And and I just saw that the Congress, I guess Congress approved uh, dreamers, they can get citizenship. That is just that is sending a clear message to all the countries in Central America and South America. Hey, send me your kids because they're going to get citizenship. Mm -hmm. So, well, let me just say this. You are extremely impressive. I've I've enjoyed talking to you and I hope you'll call again. Will you do that, please, Richard? Yes, sir. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for teaching me and many like me English because we learn by listening. Well, and thank you for teaching us about the Constitution and about laws and all that because there aren't many like you. Well, actually, there's only one like you, just like there was only one like Raj. Yeah, that's true. And you're very, you're exceptional, sir. And I want to thank you, Richard. Please call again, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. You know, it's near the end of the program. And I have to tell you, America. That is an uplifting phone call. A fantastic phone call, Mr. Call Screener. Absolutely a fantastic phone call. And Richard can call in any time he wants because, you see, it's counter to the narrative. We have a lot of people speaking for millions and millions of people they don't know, that they don't live among, uh, neighborhoods that they have no familiarity with. And so they're talking stereotypically and they're putting down these people this is what i say behind this microphone all the time the left is putting down black people it's putting down brown people it's putting down all people of color and immigrants and so forth with their stereotypical racist condescending comments it's truly appalling i want to take another caller here eduardo Sacramento, California, XM Satellite. Eduardo, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm great. Thank you for taking my call. I'm going to make it very brief, and I would love to have more time for that, but I want uh, abuse yeah. of uh, the, the kindness. Uh, I was listening to the, the caller from Honduras. I'm also Hispanic, and I'm first generation. By the way, I want to say this. The term Latinx, that's insulting as using the N-word for somebody who is an African-American. Yeah, what a stupid a word. I don't even it is a stupid word, and it's very insulting. Yeah. Very insulting. The other thing I want to say... Uh, Where are you from originally? I'm, I'm originally from Venezuela. Yes, sir. So I know what these people are doing in this country. 
Yep. This is about the republic, and I don't know if people are taking this very serious, what is happening in this country. This yep. is all about the republic. They're trying to stall the republic, and this is what uh, the call for history to people to do the right thing and stop this. Mm-hmm. Now, I also want to say that they always talk about minorities, minorities. The first thing, and I'm pretty sure the previous caller really felt the same way, I don't consider myself a minority. I consider myself a human being. God I'm bless you. Venezuela. I'm a person with a uh, hardworking person uh, who believe uh, also have some uh, um, ethical and moral principles established to conduct myself. Mm-hmm. So a minority, that's something that is like putting a label to myself that I'm somebody who needs hangout or I need guidance because I cannot make a decision on my own. I'm very sorry, but those things that definitely uh, have to be erased from, from the vocabulary of the term of minority. I don't know who invented that, but that doesn't work. At least not not in my case. You're fantastic. Where have you been? Thank you, sir. How long have you been in this country? <laughs> well, it's a long story. Uh, I came here earlier uh, in the, back in the 1980s. Uh, yeah. My family is a member of the diplomatic family, but after graduating from college, I went back to my country. And I just want to say something about Venezuela. When I was living here back in the 1980s, people yes. pretty much didn't know where Venezuela was. Probably it's in the jungles. No. Actually, we were one of the richest, richest yes. country in the entire world. Yep. In the entire world. Since the Republic in 1821, the Venezuelan people never, ever emigrated. We have immigrants from all over the world, but we mm-hmm. never left our country. Now there is four million of us outside because we have our children scavenging garbage to eat. We didn't oh, have God. that before until this Maduro and this uh, Chavez came to, into into the the picture. The communists. And when I see this, oh yes, sir. When I see, you know, one thing when you know those, those dogs, when that that dog bites you, you know it doesn't matter if it's a Chihuahua or a German Shepherd. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. And I see them here when I see the Democrats and the rhetoric. I see exactly the same Chavistas that I saw in Venezuela, the people who stole the republic, the people that kidnapped the will of the people. Mm-hmm. in Venezuela. So this is a very serious time, and I'm, I have to say that I'm very thankful for the work that you're doing. Uh, I'm listening to your program, and I think you have it right, right what it is. And there is a, there is a lot of, uh, I think it's a duty, a moral duty, uh, mm-hmm. a patriotic duty for the American people to wake up and see what's going on. Um, you're fantastic. And Eduardo, I hope you'll call again. Thank you, uh, sir. Thank all you right. God time. bless you, my friend. Man, I'm on a high now, Mr. Producer. I'm on a high now. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let's go to Maggie, Fort Myers, Florida, XM Satellite. Maggie, you're on. Go. Yes, Alvin. I was one of the immigrants in 1981 where my father was in solidarity. Hmm. He was with Lex Bawensa. Oh, I was 14 years old. We were escorted to, uh, he was in prison. We did not know where he was. We, uh, it's just so honored to speak to you. And of course, like every, anybody, anybody else, I'm very nervous at this Don't moment. Don't be nervous. Nothing's going to happen. I know, but it's, you know, I see I have three children here. Mm-hmm. I've been, I end up in Midland, Texas. We were escorted by, escorted by KGB. Uh, we were given passport one, uh, one uh, way. Mm-hmm. We, were, we had $10 to our names. A church in Midland, Texas sponsored people like us because we technically didn't know where we were going. But my heartbreaking, and I, am, I cannot watch my children I mean, I remember even, believe it or not, when I was 14 and I sat in a classroom of history. And even at that time, and I'm like, why did I think of that at that at that moment, which was so long ago? It's like, what, 35 years ago or so? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, this country is free, but boy, do they have a lot of rules, even though I just came from Poland. You know, you would think that, but our teachers were, we were able to think even, there was so much propaganda free, and our parents taught us and homes to fight. And my dad went for strikes. My mom, they were just normal workers. All of a sudden, they became a, my dad became one of the top leaders who, you know, had meeting with Lex Valenza and actually Kaczynski was later president. He knew these people. And in and, and prison, they were poisoned. Mm-hmm. All these people, and my dad included, end up developing some kind of cancer. He, he thinks it was in a coffee or a food. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching... Throughout this, so let me ask you this because we're going to be out of time soon. Putting aside the poisoning and everything, you watch the left in this country, they sound very much like the regime did in Poland, don't they? Correct, and that's what we're facing. We've had callers from Honduras, from Venezuela, from Poland, people who have suffered and they understand the greatness of this country. I want to thank you all. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless you, Levinites, you patriots. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. Have a good evening. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.